Thank you, Greg. Hey, if you have your Bibles, please take them out. Get excited about having our Bibles, huh? Well, a couple of weeks ago, I took a, a step closer um, to accomplishing or finishing uh, my doctorate of ministry. I resubmitted my research part of the project and uh, waiting on a, a reply of either do more edits or begin your project. So I'm excited about that. As some of you are aware, my project is on discipleship. It is on growing people in the faith. In fact, it's a, it's a major part of our mission statement at Community of Grace. We work together, live, we strive together to win people to Christ, to develop them in the faith, and then deploy them to go repeat, repeat that cycle, win, develop, and deploy. So today's message is, last week was on winning, it was evangelism, this week our message will be coming out of a text, and it's, it's about developing discipleship. I make a claim in my, the research part of my project that at Community of Grace, and I believe like most churches, we encourage people to be a part of a discipleship group, a life group, to get involved in, in a ministry, a, a women's ministry, a men's ministry, uh, a life group, so you can grow. But the question that, that I pose is, what are you growing to be? Well, if, if you were to get where you were going in this growth, spiritual growth, where would you end up? Do we really know what a disciple of Christ, a mature disciple of Christ, do we really know what that looks like? Or do we just go to our discipleship ministries and I hope you get there. I hope you grow. And I hope one day that you end up being a mature follower of Christ. Well, in Scripture, there are several places, especially in the New Testament, that, that give us a good picture, a snapshot, so to speak. You can see the title of today's message. A snapshot of what a follower of Christ looks like. I was tempted to, to title today's message, a snapshot of a good church member, because Paul's writing to the church, and so, but I, I decided that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make this personal, as personal as I can, that each one of us would take a look at our own lives and say, am I growing in that area? And you'll see in the text today, there's seven things that I want to point out out of this First Thessalonians passage, but I got to tell you up front that uh, this all begins with being intentional. Growing spiritually, it begins with being intentional. I don't know if you heard that noise over there. My wife is uh, in heaven <laughs> holding the youngest Tucker child, the, the only child, and she's having a blast. So I don't mean to, for you to leave, Catherine. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Intentionality. Are we intentional in all the areas of our life? Hey, man, are you intentional about being a better husband in 2019 than you were in 2018? 
I mean, are you going to actually think about doing some things better than you did this year? Wives, the same thing. Parents, are you intentional about being a good parent? Or do you just kind of go, hey, you know, that's the way I was raised, so I'm going to raise my kids that way. But then your spouse was raised a different way, and then there's conflict, and there's this and that. And we What about being a good employee? Are you intentional about growing professionally? Being a good employee, being a good boss. It takes intentionality. And what we're going to be speaking about today, what we're going to be looking at in Scripture is intentionality, is, is being intentional to grow. Now, our text today is full of uh, a bunch of imperative verbs. You'll see when we start the text, when we read it together in just a moment, he says, I urge you. And then he gives a list, and we're going to combine some of them into, but we're going to have seven things that I want us to notice and point out in today's text. Being deliberate, being perfect purposeful about our spiritual growth. You know, people have all kinds of opinions about what a mature Christian looks like. If we were to go out to Southlands and, and walk up to a hundred different people and say, hey, what is it? when you think of a Christian, what, what are some things about their life that should stand out? Do you know how many different answers we would get from people on the street? We would get so many different answers, but here's the deal. If we were to do the same thing in this room today, we would get a bunch of different answers. What, what would you say is, are, are those things that, man, a Christian's life ought to be marked by this. It ought to have this marker on its life. Is it worship? I mean, is that a primary thing that we're to be about? Is it prayer? Uh, Bible study. What about serving others? I mean, there's, there's so many things that we, even in this room, would not necessarily come up with the same answers. So it's important for us to come back to Scripture. Let's stand upon the Word of God. What does God's Word say about disciples? And then let's be intentional about growing in those areas. You know, uh, this is one of those things that I, I see some of our students sitting in the room, and, and i got to be quite honest, I, I hope that these kind of passages in Scripture you'll grab a hold of, man. And you won't wait till you're, till you're an adult. You won't wait till you're your parents' age. Not that y'all aren't adults. Y'all are grown up, I know. But, man, grab a hold of these today. Let these sink in today. And begin being intentional about growing spiritually. So we're going to be looking at First Thessalonians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. We're going to read verses 12 through 22. So if you have have that with you, please stand with me in honor of reading God's word today. Paul writes this to the church in Thessalonica. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And here's our text. Here are the markers that I want you to start seeing. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, 
Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Father, we pray that your spirit would enlighten our hearts. It would open the eyes of our heart that we may uh, know your nudging today in our own lives personally, but also corporately. Lord, that this, these will be markers of our church. When people, when, when guests come in the door at Community of Grace, they would see these markers in the people of this church. Oh, but Lord, I pray that each of us would take it personally as well. I ask this in your holy name. Amen. Please be seated. So when it comes to Christian living, what are the markers on your life? And I'd like to pull out seven, seven things in this text uh, for us to make note of. And then as we go through them, I'm going to ask you to listen to God. Listen for his spirit to say, that, that one was, that's, I want you to work on that one. That one's for you. And maybe he, maybe he brings to the surface one or two things that today you could say, you know, I'm going to be intentional about those two things. He might, he might nudge you about all of them. And man, we got work to do. Every one of us could, could work on all these. And it'll never stop. But there might be one or two that you go, hmm, I just really need to go to work on that one. So listen for God's nudging, his prompting today as we work our way through this. The first one I want us to notice is a Christian's life is to be marked by helping others. Look at what it says in verse 14 and 15. It says, and we urge you, brothers, to admonish the idle, to encourage the faint-hearted, help Help the weak. Be patient with them all. Is that a marker on your life? It is, is it a goal in your life to encourage? He uses the word admonish, <laughs> to counsel, to straighten, to straighten out the unruly. We live in a culture and a society that would say, don't you tell me what, what to do and what not to do. Don't you tell me that what I'm doing is wrong. It can be wrong for you, but it doesn't have to be wrong for me. We live in a culture that preaches that. It's okay for you to believe that. Unless I disagree with it. <laughs> and it's my opinion, I, I confess this is my opinion. That philosophy of the world has snuck into the church. And not very often do we come alongside one another and say, Come on, man. When, we, when we've got someone that's chasing and going down a road that we, we all know they shouldn't be going down. Paul says, help them out, man. Admonish. Encourage. May that not be so at Community of Grace. May it be a marker on my life and on your life that we come alongside each other and we help each other out. 
the faint-hearted. If we could, if we could imagine a picture of a group of people going out to Southlands, and we're going to all go, and we're going to share our faith, man. We're going to all share our testimony. And out on the outer edge of this group of people, there's some that are that are bold, man. They're ready to go. Give me somebody. They're just looking for somebody to go talk to. But in the inner circle, on the inside, you've got a few people that might be bundled together, going, "I'm scared to death." I'm scared. I would much rather I would much rather have a religion that is risk-free. He says encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Help those that are that are down on the ground. Help them up. This is a marker on your life to help others. Paul comes along, comes and speaks to the, writes to the church in Thessalonica to, to be a people that help. I would encourage all of us to be intentional about that part of our life, but let's look over in verse 15 as well. He says, see that, see that no one repays evil for evil. When that person cuts you off in traffic... And, and you got to pull up real close to them. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? you got to pull up real close to them and teach them a lesson. Any, any, anybody else? Is that just me? Just me. Thank you, Steve. Man, it's, it, it, okay, Paul, we can take that one, and okay, I can do better. I can be intentional not to get irritated when somebody does me wrong, when somebody offends me, okay, I can do that. But here's the deal, church, that can happen just as easy inside the church. We get our feelings hurt by people inside the church. And Paul's, Paul's writing to church people, he's saying, see to it that nobody, it's, it's an imperative, see to it that nobody repays evil for evil. Don't be a people of revenge. Just don't let that be a marker on your life. Let, let everybody in the church know that we're, not, we're just not going to do that. Matthew says in his gospel, man, if, 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 you, have an offense, if you have been offended or you have an, uh, somebody's wronged you, what should we do? We should go to them and talk to them. And let's not get sideways and, and, and let it fester. And Paul says, man... See to it that nobody repays evil for evil. He, said, he goes on and says we ought to seek to do good for everyone. Now listen. We know we have people in, uh, in this body that have needs. And we can, we can look for opportunities to help. We can look for opportunities to, to, to come alongside them if they're faint-hearted, if they're idle, if they're, if they're sitting on the bench and they need to get out on the field and play, we can come alongside them and help them. But he says, seek, which is an imperative to do good to one another and to everyone. Now let me ask you a question. Is that something that you can be intentional about? Is it a marker on your life right now? And you might be sitting there and you're thinking, well, a little bit. I mean, I think I'm a helpful person. But I could definitely grow in that area. Is that a marker that, that God today is saying, why don't you be a little more intentional about that? 
Why don't you focus in on being a person of helps? Those people in your neighborhood, those people in the workplace, why don't you help out that person that that really has kind of gotten under your skin? Why don't you do something kind for them this week? Help them out. Maybe all they need is a smile. Help somebody this week. Is that a marker in your life? The second one I want us to see comes out of verse 16. And it says, rejoice always. You want to memorize a verse today? You ready? Rejoice always. Let's say it together. Come on, because we're going to all learn this one today. Ready? Rejoice. You misread it. Oh, wait a minute. It does say always, doesn't it? Because I thought sometimes we, it was okay for us not to be joyful. That word always, circle it. Mark it. Underline it. Whatever you need to do. Because that, this could be the most difficult of the markers that we have. To be a person of joy, to choose joy always. It's not easy. Because we do have people that cut us off in traffic. We do have illness that shows up in our family. We do have a sin in our lives. We do have things that happen and it's just not easy to always be joyful in, in all circumstances. Potentially the most difficult one in our list today. By the way, is joy one of the things that you were thinking of a while ago when I asked the question of what should be some markers on a Christian's life? Was being joyful always one of the ones that came to your mind? Paul's given us a list here of things to be a good church member or what a disciple looks like. A disciple of Christ. Let's just be clear about it, man. You ought to be known. People in the world ought to know you as a person of helps. They ought to see this joy. And I'm not talking about happiness because happiness depends upon happenstance. And if something bad happens, you might not be happy. I'm talking about joy, man. It's this inner sense of understanding that I have God's ever, everlasting, unconditional love. Therefore, I can be joyful. I have assurance of salvation. Therefore, say it, I can be joyful. I know that Jesus, that God will never leave me nor forsake me in any circumstance. Therefore, I can be joyful. I know that one day he's going to come back and he's going to get me. I know that one day Jesus is going to return and he's going to gather his church. Therefore, I can be joyful. Man, this is not my home. This is a temporary dwelling place. My home is in eternity in heaven with him. These momentary troubles don't compare to what is ahead of us in heaven. I'm thankful for what Christ did on the cross and the shed blood of Jesus and what it did for me. That I have salvation through Jesus, therefore, I can rejoice. I can be joyful. Do you realize that Christianity is a joyful religion? Because of all those things that we just mentioned, we could go around the room and People could say things that they're joyful about. We could also go around the room and people could tell us the things that steal their joy. A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But church, man, let's let it be a marker on my life and your life of joy. I don't care what the happenstances are of my life. I have an inner peace and inner joy that I want everyone to know about. Is that an area you can be intentional about? Is this a growth area in your life? Maybe you've been going through a downtime and joy has not been a marker. Maybe it's been a tough season of life. And today I want to encourage you to come back to the one who gives us joy. Come back to Jesus and allow him to breathe life, to breathe a fresh joy into your life. Rejoice always, it says in verse 16. Another marker, the third marker that I want us to be, I want us to see. Number three on your outline is this. It is marked by constant prayer. Verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Now, I hope you realize that all prayer, any prayer to say that, you don't have to close your eyes. If, if that is your perception of prayer, then I don't want you praying while you're driving. But our drive time can be a good prayer time. Anybody? You bet. Some of you commute. It can be a time of worship. It can be a time of prayer. You don't have to allow that guy to annoy you. You don't have to allow that guy to offend you. You can just say, come on in. Pull in. Cut me off. I don't care. It says, pray without ceasing. My dad had a saying, I've heard my dad say this, a powerful life, a prayerful life is a powerful life. Let me say that again. A prayerful life is a powerful life. Is that an area you can be intentional about this year? That you can grow in? Is it your prayer life? Where you just come before the Lord and, and, and spend time talking and listening? That you pull out your Bible and you begin reading through a text. And just to give you a heads up, I'm, I'm in the process of putting together a year reading plan for our church. I'll be handling it out in December, and, and as a church body, we're going to go through a plan together to read the Bible in a year. By the time we get to the end of December in 2019, we will have read through the whole Bible once, and we will read through the Psalms and the New Testament twice. Joel, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. It, it, it will be good that each of us are able to talk about the same passages of Scripture each day of the year. Prayer, that we, that we begin reading together. We're reading the same passages, and all of a sudden you find a church that is starting to pray over that passage, and we're praying over the church through that passage. And, and is that an area you can be intentional about? A marker of constant prayer. The fourth thing I want us to see, look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, do not quench the spirit. Literally, don't put the flame out. Now, there's no mention of a fire in this passage, but to quench the spirit, to pour water on what the spirit of God wants to do in your life. What what can be a major cause of quenching the spirit? Sin in our life. Have you got sin that just just 
against you every day. Maybe it's a secret sin. Maybe it's one that nobody knows about. Be assured of this. God sees everything. And the, and the feelings and emotions that we deal with with guilt and those kind of things, Paul says to the church, man, make it a marker on your life not to quench the spirit, not to, to disobey, not to allow him all access into your life. Man, let him do what he wants to do. Don't quench the spirit in your life. I have hanging in my office a, a, a shadow box with a, with a state championship medal, and right beside it is a sideline access pass at Texas Stadium. You would be surprised how difficult it is to get down on the field in, in a professional arena. But on that particular day in 1996, I had a pass around my neck. I, I mean, it was one of the coaches. I'm wearing the whole coach's garb, and, but I still had to have a pass. It didn't matter what I looked like. It didn't matter what clothes I was wearing. I had to have a pass before all the security people would allow me down on the field. And with that pass on, I could go anywhere except the opponent's locker room. I had access to the field all the way down there. Now let me ask you a question. Does God have an all-access pass in your life? Are there places in your life, are there hidden rooms, are there hallways that you do not want him to go down? Is there your secret sin closet? Is there a room in your heart where you say, God, hey, listen, I'm going to give you everything else, but not this room. I enjoy this room. Stay out of that room. That's my room. Don't quench the spirit, man. God says, I want in that room, man. I want to clean that room up. I want that to be my room. I don't want filth in there. I want righteousness in there. Don't quench the spirit. Last night, we were at uh, Red Robin with Grayson and Janae, and <clears throat> we were waiting for our table to, for, them, for them to call us for our table, and right next to us in the waiting area was a family, and they had a son that was probably hmm, eight-ish, eight years old, and he was not obeying his mom. She would tell him to stop it, stop doing that, stop it, and he just kept on going. He eventually started crying, and she said, stop crying. Stop doing that. And he just kept on going. And she, she, okay, that's it. That's it. I've had enough. I'm telling the tooth fairy not to come. <laughs> that boy was a perfect angel the rest of the time. He had completely extinguished all of mom's grace, all of mom's patience, he had, he had put it out to the point that she was going to tell the tooth fairy not to come. Friends, listen. Don't quench the spirit in your life. Allow God all access. Be obedient to his word. When he says to do something, let's do it. Let's not quench the spirit. The next thing I want us to see. Verse 20 is that we're to be committed to the words of God. Now Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica. 
Scripture clearly speaks in Corinthians and in Romans about the gifts of the Spirit. One of the gifts is prophecy. So there might have been people in the church that were abusing that gift. But I, on this particular point that I wanted to point out, I, I chose for us to be, I chose these words purposely, to be committed to the words of God. Not just his general revelation to all mankind, that we need to be committed to this, to do it. But for those that the Lord might put on someone's heart to go to another person and say, listen, I just feel like the Lord wants me to to encourage you with this word. I've had people a few times in my life say something like that to me. In Baptist churches, we don't typically talk about a lot of things about the Holy Spirit because we get worried that things will get out of control or something. But I can't deny the fact that speaking words of prophecy is taught in Scripture. And so that could happen, but here's the deal, and it goes along with the next point that I want us to know that our life is marked by. Test. Test all teaching. Test all those words. If someone were to come and say that to you, test it. You test the words that I speak from the pulpit. Church, I encourage you to go and and look at this 1 Thessalonians passage. And man, let's make sure that what Pastor Joel is teaching is accurate, is correct. I ask for that accountability. But you test teaching. And don't despise the words of the Lord. Don't despise prophecies. He's not talking about, he's not looking backwards. He's not looking backwards at the prophets of the Old Testament. He's speaking of here and now. Don't despise when people come and say, I've got a word. But test it. Don't despise the scriptures that you have. Don't despise the teachings that you hear. Test everything. I'm going to ask the praise team to make their way back up as we look at our seventh marker. And it's this. A disciple's life, a Christian living, should be marked by good living. Look at what he says in verse 21, second part of verse 21 and verse 22. He says, hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Hold fast. Cling to it. Hold it tight what is good. Our lives, the people in our workplace, the people in our neighborhood, the people that when we get home, they ought to see that you and I are marked by good living. It's good. And that you and I abstain. We refrain from doing evil things in our life. Is this an area you can be intentional and grow in? I wonder which one of these that the Lord may have nudged you and said, that's, that's the one. This, this week, this month, this year, as we approach the end of this 2018, I want you to grow in that. And so make a point to be intentional about growing 
in that area. But this passage in 1 Thessalonians is just a small picture. It's one of the many passages in the New Testament where we get to look at a, a list of things that a disciple should be marked by. And we want you to grow. We want you to grow in these areas and to be intentional about that. And look at what he says in verse 23. And this will be my closing prayer of our time together and the worship team will lead us in our closing. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Father, it is my prayer this morning that each of us would consider with intentionality, with purpose, with being deliberate in our growth in the faith. Lord, I don't want to be known more for growing in my knowledge and insight about uh, the statistics of Case Keenum on the football field. Lord, I don't want to be known for, for having Philip Lindsay's stats memorized. Lord, I want to be known as a disciple of yours that is committed, that is intentional about growing in likeness of you. And so, Lord, we thank you for passages like this one that kind of give us some markers, some snapshots of things that we can, we can look at and be intentional in our own lives. Lord, I lift up every person that today you've nudged to be helpful. To focus in on that, Lord, I pray for them that if their focus has been more on themselves than, than on others, that they would look not only to their own interests, but they would look to the interests of others, considering them as more important than themselves. Lord, for the person whose joy has been st stolen, has been robbed from them lately, Lord, I pray that you would restore the joy of their salvation to their heart. Would you breathe something fresh and new into their life? Holy Spirit, come. Come. Lord, for those today that have been nudged to be more intentional about their prayer life, I pray that they would be determined to sit down and mark out a consistent rhythm of their life, a rhythm of every day that, that is dedicated to prayer. Father, I pray that none of us would quench you, but we would allow you to lead us, that your spirits nudging and prompting throughout the day would lead us, that we would give you all access to our heart. There wouldn't be any hidden places that we, we want you to stay away from, Lord, we give it all to you. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. Father, I pray that those that have been nudged today about some living 
behaviors in their life that need to be cleaned up? Would you give them courage and discipline to, to grow in those areas? Maybe it's the words that come out of their mouth, or maybe it's a behavior. Lord, I don't know where you're leading or where you're nudging someone, but Father, today I pray that your spirit would give us the courage to respond to your, your nudging. Lord, we thank you for this time. I lift up anyone here that doesn't know you. I pray that today, if there's a desire in someone's heart to come to know you as Lord and Savior, that before they leave this room, they'll come and talk with me. I would love to introduce them to you and your, your everlasting love. What you did for each one of us on the cross. Oh, Father, will you call someone today? to surrender to you. I pray all this in your holy name. Amen.